This is Financially Fit with Coach Hill, the podcast where you learn to train your money like a pro athlete trains for success. I'm Coach Hill, personal finance expert and money coach to the NFL. I took everything I learned from coaching pro athletes for the last 10 years and founded Financial Footwork to help you become more financially fit. Find your success with money and live the lifestyle you want with the money you've got. Every time I sit down with this person, my day gets better. I get a little smarter. We have incredible conversations about life, and I leave feeling like I can conquer the world. I'd like to introduce you to the founder of Mastery Development, co-founder of Nestry, PhD candidate in psychology and wellness, which he'll be wrapping up in 2024, NFL tight end, pro bowler, super bowler, and super genius, someone I get the honor of calling one of my best friends, meet my buddy, Julius Thomas. You know, um... I think I just need to bottle that, like record that, like hear that, you know, play it back to myself sometimes. That was a great introduction. Very gracious of you. Uh, it's always great to get a chance to spend time with you, talk with you because of all the value you add to my life. You know, just your commitment to everything you do, your love for people and your love for what you do. And then obviously, I mean, who's better than you? So, uh, <laughs> oh my God. It's a great Can I bottle that up? I need that. I need that in a bottle. I just need to hear it over and over. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. All right. So today, you guys, I brought Julius on because his value and perspective is unparalleled when it comes to money. So we're going to hear about his perspective, his money journey growing up in California, to being a broke college student, which is awesome. His stories are pretty cool there, to becoming an NFL superstar. And then we're going to dive into his crazy successful NFL career and how it almost didn't happen. And then how that's propelled you into psychology and how money and wellness go hand in hand, which is part of what you've created with Nestry. So Julius embodies everything we do at Financial Footwork, and he is literally all about training your money like a pro athlete trains for success. So buckle up because he is going to drop some serious gems. All right, Julius, you are my powerhouse. I love this. I'm so excited. I want to give people a little insight into who you are, where you came from, and let's go through your journey because you know I'm going to have you back like 1800 times, but people got to know you first. So take me through where you grew up and kind of how you ended up landing in the NFL. Yeah. You know, I'll um, I'll be back as many times as you need me. Um, It's always great to get a chance to talk with you. And uh, yeah, I mean, how would I describe myself? I don't know. I've I've just always been very driven, very ambitious. Uh, I think I was a deep thinker long before I knew what a deep thinker was or really what to do with it. I'm the oldest of three boys. I grew up in Stockton, California, which was a very unique place to grow up because when you're in certain socioeconomic places or in certain neighborhoods or in certain communities, you start to really see how some of these disparities happen over time. And when I think back to where I'm from, you know, everyone there lived a very simple life. Everyone there worked, you know, your typical nine to five, you know, mainly blue collar, some white collar workers. And they wanted to be able to get off work on Friday, um, go to the bowling alley, have a couple of pitchers of beer, hang out Saturday, Sunday in the backyard, play some dominoes, play some cards, eat food that neighbors and stuff cooked. So we're always like having gatherings. Um, and then besides that, you know, uh, I think one of the biggest things I learned in that neighborhood was that you had to work for everything. And I got this really workmanlike mentality from where I grew up. And obviously you had to be tough. Like the environment was placing conditions on you that you had to survive. And when you have to survive day after day, um, you start to uh, dot your I's, cross your T's um, and you know how to make it through some things. Yeah. I I feel that. And then that probably shaped, I know it shaped because we've talked about it, your view on money and how you approach it. 
how did growing up, I'm not going to say you were dirt poor because that's not the right word, but right. growing up with not everything, yep. how did that shape how you think about money? Yeah. You know, I think that when I look back on my life, and if I'm really honest with it, um, I probably grew up in a pretty middle class home, but I was cash poor. Like I never had cash. I didn't have an account with any money in it. Uh, when I was walking around in middle school and high school, I had change in my pocket or maybe enough money to go get some Jack in the Box tacos or a Mexican <laughs> pizza from Taco Bell. So there was no point in my life where I ever felt like I had enough money to eat, go or do the things that I wanted to do. I was always um, financially conscious. Like I can't go there because I can't afford that. I won't be able to go to that theme park with you guys. There's no way I'm going to be able to pay for that. So always having to accept the fact that money was not something that I had much of and learning to kind of like live life within the financial conditions that I had. But the best thing um, about my upbringing was I had an amazing time and I really learned how you can have so much fun and you can have a life that's full of purpose and joy with no money. And I think that that was one of the fundamental things that I kind of carried with me. Uh, and then it helped me to be financially responsible uh, when money showed up. Well, let's talk about that because you let's fast forward to college. So you had all of these experiences. You learned what not having money was. And then you got to college and you landed at Portland State University. And let's just celebrate the fact that we both lived in Oregon at the same time. Didn't know each other. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was in Oregon State. You were at Portland State. Um, but you went to college, but you were not playing football. Yep. What walk me through that? Because you had a scholarship, if I remember correctly. Yeah, but not for football. No, no, I was a uh, I was a basketball player in high school. I played only basketball. I actually played football a little bit in my freshman year, but I had like a back injury from groin pain, so I didn't really get to play that season. Uh, but basketball was my my joy, my passion. It was what I spent all my time doing in high school. I was lucky enough uh, to get a college scholarship to Portland State and playing basketball, playing power forward, like pretty much like a post player. Um, but that was my my entry into college. I always knew I wanted to go to college. I knew I wanted to graduate from college. And so I showed up as 18-year-old with just two bags in my hand. I'll never forget. My dad drops me off on campus. And I, I had to really think about it, right? Like, you have all your life in two duffel bags. Like, this is what you're taking onto this next journey. And I would think about that a lot. And I would say, man, you know, whatever happens, I'm not going to go home. I'm going to make the most out of this opportunity. I'm going to hit the books the way I need to hit the books, hit the court the way I need to hit the court so that I can make more for my life. I knew that um, not what I wanted to do, but I had an idea of what it wanted to look like. I had three things that were super important to me. Like my goals financially, like if I made it, I would be able to have all the channels that I wanted to watch on TV. I would have a refrigerator full of food and I would have a car that gets me from A to B comfortably because I didn't have any of those three things when I grew up. And those are the things I wanted. And I told myself, if you can hit those essentials, you've made it, you did it. Life will be amazing for you. And at 22, you did that. At 23, at 23, I got there. At 23, I got there. I was, I got broker in college. Like, broker. <laughs> we went to Portland State. I think our stipend was $730 a month. So that had to Woo! include rent, gas, bills, food. Everything. 
And um, some of those times in college, you know, we forget to pay the bills and then now the lights are off and you're like, wait, oh, I guess we should have been checking the mail. Like these light <laughs> bills have been paying off. Now all the food in the refrigerator spoiled. Now it was like, ah, oh, that was a big hit. I mean, there were so many days where I just divided $6, like $6 across a day. Like that's all I had. Like I, I'll be honest because this is your podcast, right? So like, I would be like, I'm going to get two double cheeseburgers and then I need like just enough money to get like some beer in the evening. So something to eat and some beer. And if I can make that work and I remember being like that. So it was challenging for me to always feel a lack of, of cash. Not really like the circumstances. Like I didn't like live in like a terrible area or, you know, have like drug dealers or people that were drug using like like right outside my door, but I was just always cash poor. Yeah, I get that. And it when you are cash poor, you have this fear that comes with that, that's always following you around. Yeah. And you're always thinking about money and it's not in a good way. It's in a negative way. Yep. Then fast forward. And I loved this story. So you somehow landed on the football team. Let's talk about that first. How did you land on the football team? Well, I actually asked to uh, to land on the team. And then for the first month or so, the team landed on me. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, when I first got to college, I was telling myself, like, oh, I really regret not playing football. I'm, like, I'm up there for the summer and I'm training in basketball and I hear the whistles and the guys are playing football. So I go to the football coach and I'm like, hey, man, like, my name is Julius Thomas. I'm here to play basketball, but I would love to be a dual sport athlete. And the football coach yeah. is like, absolutely. What do you want to do? I'm like, I want to play wide receiver. You know, my dad played wide receiver. I've always loved catching the football. Like, I'm going to come play wide receiver. He's like, we never say no to six, five wide receivers. Like, absolutely come play. Um, but basketball coaches say no. And my basketball ah. coach, no, you didn't come here to play football. You're going to play basketball. And then I had a coach just, maybe it was in passing, a like random I don't even know if he was coaching when I started playing football, but he said, Hey, if you don't redshirt, you'll have an extra year of eligibility and you can use that to play football. And I kind of just lived there in the back of my head. And like kind of, as I was going through my college career, I would always say, you know, I'm going to play football one day and the football players would laugh and they'd be like, come on, man, you can't, you're just going to come out here and play football and be able to play with us. And I was like, Oh yeah, actually I think I'll be able to do that. And then in my senior yeah. year of uh, my final year in basketball, I didn't end up redshirting at all. So I went and saw the coach. There's a new coach at this time. And I said, hey, I want to play football. And he goes, well, we've watched you play basketball. You're a hell of an athlete. If you're serious about playing football, you'll show up to our spring meeting that we have soon before we start uh, spring uh, practice. And then we'll, then we'll know if you're ready to play. So I played the whole basketball season, uh, went to conference tournament. We didn't... Uh, win our conference tournament loss and like two weeks after a grueling basketball season, I showed up for that spring football meeting uh, and took them off ready to play. Man, I mean, and then you got drafted in the fourth round yeah. to the Denver Broncos. Yeah, absolutely. A year later, right? Or was it two? Um, no, that was uh, 13 months later. And then my money problems, they still didn't go away, which, <laughs> um, which is just like the story of my life. Because when I got drafted, it was a lockout. And oh, that's right. You got drafted during the lockout. So there was no um, teams couldn't pay you. You couldn't come to OTAs and train. And at that point in my life, I was like not on scholarship anymore, not getting paid by my next employer. But I still needed to train. I knew I wasn't good enough to play NFL football. I just had talent. 
And I'll never forget a friend of mine. I, I was doing my off-season training in L.A. Then I came back to Portland, but I knew there was this coach out there in L.A. that was really going to help me become a great route runner. And I wanted to train with him, but I didn't have any money to get like, a place in L.A. So I actually had a friend of mine. Um, she agreed to let me sleep on her couch. So oh, nice. you just got drafted into the NFL. Um, all this stuff is going to be here eventually, but right now, none of it's there. And I was living in L.A., taking the couch cushions off my friend's couch, sleeping there every night, waking up in the morning, going to work out, using my EBT card because I had got an EBT card to get groceries and food. And that was how I lived for two months until the lockout ended. And uh, at 23 years old, I finally got my first paycheck. And um, that really changed my uh, relationship with money. And I haven't been cash poor since. I love that. And when you got your first paycheck, you didn't do what everyone normally does. I would love for you to tell the story of what you did with your rookie checks. Your first, well, your first four years in the league, you lived on a broke budget and intentionally. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess in service of the younger self that used to live like really broke, I lived on like a budget that a person that worked like with a good job at like corporate Wells Fargo would live like, I probably spent a hundred to a hundred twenty thousand. Like I wanted to live kind of like in that range. Um, yeah. I didn't have any fancy house. I had a two bedroom apartment, uh, two bathrooms. Um, my first car was a Toyota FJ Cruiser. I like kind of souped it up a little bit, but you know, it was a very <laughs> modest car. Um, I didn't do anything really lavish. I bought no chains, no um, jewelry. I just really wanted to save. I knew that I couldn't guarantee that money was going to keep coming. I didn't know what my trajectory would be in the NFL. I had a belief, but I wasn't going to take the chance on spending this money. I knew that I wanted to keep it all, keep as much as I could. And uh, I luckily had a really good financial advisor that I found and he gave me some good financial advice and I was able to be disciplined enough and follow it. For my entire rookie contract, I mean, I never really spent outside of that $100,000 range. Which is incredible because it's so easy to get caught in the lifestyle. And we see it every day with the guys that we work with. Um, and to see someone successfully do it well over four years. It wasn't just, oh, I did it over one season. It was four years. And then you got your second contract and you made a complete splash in the NFL. And then one day you woke up and you had your whiteboards in your room and you were reading your books and you decided, I think it's time for me to take my next step. Yeah. And you opted to retire from the NFL. You left the league on your own terms and you decided to, this is so incredible. Most, most people would never do this, but you made the choice to walk away from some money that was still on the table so that you could go pursue your PhD in psychology so that you could help the guys leaving the league with all of their wellness, all of the things that they need. And so enter Mastery Development, the company that you founded, and then Nestry, a second company that you co-founded. Talk to me about those, where those stem from, and how those impact the people you work with. You know, it's, it's very crazy because when I signed my life-changing contract, and I was very aware in the moment that my life had been changed, and as long as I'm disciplined, that you know, I'll never go back to the situations that I've ever been in again. Depending on what kind of lifestyle I wanted, I probably would never have to work again. And you know, I'm a person of faith and a belief. And in that moment, I said, you know what? 
I was thinking a lot. I was like, you know, I just feel like there's some parts of me that I never got a chance to become. And I, I was praying and I said, you know, God, I don't know what you designed me for, but I'm thankful for everything that you've given me. But when you call me, I'll answer. I don't know when that's going to be, but when you call me, I'll answer. And that call didn't happen for three years. So I'm playing, I'm having successful NFL season, starting tight end um, for a couple of different teams. And then when I got that knock on my spirit, that deep down in your soul, it said something's changing inside of you. And what was changing inside of me was just compassion, the compassion I have for people. Like my heart was um, coming alive. And I got this feeling that it was it was better to help other people reach their rewards or their awards than for me to continue doing that for myself. But it was hard for me to process in the moment because I'm thinking, well, what's that mean for you in this job? Like, are you really ready to walk away from millions of dollars? And a lot of people thought there's no chance. Like, I remember telling a friend of mine, like, I think this is going to be my last season. And he was telling another friend, like, there's no way who walks away from millions. Um, but I, I felt that it was something that I was being called to do. And as I retired and went on this journey into self to really discover who I was at my core without being an athlete, without being a person of fame or status, I decided that I'm going to dig in. So I dig in and I come up with my purpose. So my purpose is to help people reduce their physical, mental, and emotional pain. But I had no clue what I was going to do with that. I wrote this crazy article in the Players' Tribune that I was going to go back to school, get a doctorate degree. I was going to learn the brain. Um, but I never, I wasn't in school when I said that. And I was thinking, <laughs> I wrote it like, should you write something like this? There's a lot of pressure you're putting on yourself to put this out to the world. And you don't even, you haven't even got into graduate school yet. But you know me, I'm a person that's like, I believe it. I'm going to go. So yep. went back to graduate school to study clinical health psychology. Um, during that time, I realized that the best doctor is not the doctor that comes up with the best treatment strategy. It's the doctor that comes up with the best prevention strategy. When people yes. get sick, we don't cure in clinical or medical spaces. We just treat. Um, the best thing to do is to keep people from getting sick. And I said, I'm going on this prevention journey. And that's what led to me starting Master Development um, because of what I saw. You know, the guys that, that you work with, the guys that I share the field or locker room with, some of them, their performance is up here, yep. but their well-being was right here. And 100%. it doesn't matter in life what you have. I've been there, had it all, done it all. But when my wellness was here, I knew that that wasn't enough for me. And I knew that other people needed to create balance, right? And so mastery development is all about helping people be at their peak. How can you be at your peak with your performance, your peak at wellness? And um, how do you give people the skills and empower people through coaching to do that or consulting? And when I learned the mind and then I learned the brain and got expertise in these areas, I really wanted to do something with all that learning. And Nestry became the perfect vehicle for that because what we're doing with Nestry is we're just trying to make mind and brain fitness a lifestyle. For so many years, we've taken an illness approach to brain-based challenges, whether that be brain fog, cognitive decline, post-concussion rehabilitation. Why not train? And so I always thought to myself, if you have an ACL injury, the ACL doesn't improve because you took a medicine. But the surgery repairs it. The medicine takes with pain, inflammation. But if you want the ACL to function correctly, again, you have to train it. If you're noticing that your brain isn't working the way you like it to, you have to train it. We talked about fitness and the importance fitness has in both of our lives. And um, so next year, that's what we're doing. We're just changing from an illness approach to a fitness approach. 
and we're giving people the spaces and opportunities to train their brains so they're able to get the most out of the, the networks or the neural networks uh, that your brain has. I love that. And it's training, right? We say, you're saying train your mind. I'm saying train your money. Yep. It all comes back to consistency, a routine. And it's not just, I'm going to take a pill and it's going to be fine. I'm going to do something once and it's going to heal. You got it. It's a constant work in progress, but there's nothing wrong with being a work in progress. No, there's nothing wrong with improving yourself. Even if it's just a small amount every day, because that incline is massive and people don't realize that you can train all aspects of your mind, body, and soul. It's just a matter of if if you're ready to do that. And I love that you guys take that approach at Nestry because it is all about mental health and wellness and training the brain. And so that piggybacks perfectly on training your money. And this is why we align so lovely. And I I just love it. But uh, I want to backtrack a bit because I want to emphasize for everyone just how much of a change you went through from 2018 to now. You went from all-star NFL player to retiring quickly to re-entering college and then you're studying to get a PhD all while fi- founding two companies. I mean, that that's a lot for anyone. And it's a big financial responsibility. So as you went through this, ch- I mean, it's been five years since, since we met mm-hmm. and five years since you really started this journey. And I've watched how you've just, I mean, I don't like to use the word of blossom because it sounds like you're a flower, but I've watched you just completely take things over. And it's amazing to see what you've accomplished. How has this journey shaped how you've changed your thought process on money? Because I know that it has. I've watched you think about money differently. How is this crazy like NFL to student to PhD candidate? How has that shaped your money journey? Well, you know, um, you're so right. The, the, the changes that I've experienced since retiring have been uh, crazy. Like you witnessed it. You said blossoming. I'm okay. You know, maybe I can be compared to a flower at sometimes, you know. It's all good. It's so right about um, really about this, this training mindset, right? And you talk about being financially fit and you talk about how well do you understand the things that you need to do financially. But then the second component is how well are you doing that? Like there's one thing to understand and there's another thing to do it. And for me, I've really changed a lot financially with the mastery of understanding finance. You know that I have a background in finance because I minored in that in college. Um, Playing in the NFL, I accrued a ton of finances. And for me, it was all about holding it. Hold it, don't spend it. Hold it, don't spend it. And that's been one of the best decisions I ever made in my life. Why? Well, let's say first off, like I retired five years ago and I have not worked. Like... Oh, well, um, hold on. You, you've worked. Well, I mean, not like <laughs> earning you know salaries I mean. and stuff like that. Like right. for the first five years, I was just a student. Like, you are. I was founding a company and building out how that company was going to work, but I wasn't like actively bringing on business. So my mind was thinking ahead. But for five years, because of being financially disciplined, I was able to support a family and support myself and do things that I enjoyed. Um, because of that discipline that I had when I played. But now, um, as you start to understand companies and you start to go from looking at just your personal finances, right? Like the first step is mastering your finances, you know, your cash in, your cash out. But when you have to look at a company or multiple companies, and now you're yeah. starting to have to look at not just your balance sheet, but company balance sheets. Now you're starting to talk about um, VC. You're starting to talk about investing because that's something I do as well. Now you have to look at each individual property's 
financial statements and yep. cash flow and start to determine, is this going to be a good investment for me now? And will this be a good investment for me into the future? And then over right. these last um, three years, probably since I've been investing in real estate, I've grown in leaps and bounds. Uh, first off, through exposure. Second off, yeah. through finding the right people that are mentors in the space that can teach me. And then um, lastly, I think it's just about how much time I put in. Like when I played, I didn't have much time to put into studying and understanding um, investing the way I do now. But now I'm, I'm very confident and uh, clear about what my investing plan looks like for the next 10 years, what things I want to be into, why I want to be in them, which things I like, which things I don't like, and what's the direction that's going to allow me to be best positioned for what the future holds. And you are, for clarity, uh, an investment, you have investment properties. So you invest in real estate. So you're becoming a real estate mogul, which I love. You also have dabbled in the VC market now, which is the, this is with Nestory, which is really, really cool. So for anyone who's thinking, oh, I can't get started. It doesn't matter where you start as long as you start. Yeah. And I know that you didn't have a lot of experience in that until you got into those things and went, oh, I'm going to just dive head first and see how it looks. And then I'm going to learn how to read a balance sheet. I'm going to learn how to read a P&L. I'm going to learn how to analyze a business and see if it's a good choice or a property specifically. Does this thing cash flow? How much money do I have to put into it before it cash flows? Is this a long-term hold or a short-term hold? All of those things that you've taught yourself through experience and a good financial team are what have led you to success. But all of those things have been time-driven. It hasn't happened overnight. People think, oh, it just happens instantly. We're talking five years here yeah. and we're still not even touching the peak of where you're going to go with yeah, it. You already, you're, you're 10 years out, right? Yep. In your mind. And I think a lot of people, when they're thinking about financial fitness, they don't go past the like, I just need a budget and my credit score needs to be good. Financial fitness is so much more than that. It's what are your goals? Get them on paper. How are you going to reach them? If they don't seem attainable, that's okay. Write them down anyways. Mm -hmm. um, you didn't... There was a 13-month period between you starting to play football and you getting drafted. That's unheard of. That's crazy. But it's not impossible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? And so, yes, I realize that's a unique situation. But the same goes for anything. If you want to buy a house, if you want to improve your credit score, it's time and consistency. It's keeping that financial fitness. So that leads me to my last question today. Um, what is your number one best money practice? Something that you do just regularly that really keeps you on track with your money? I think the best, but the best money practice I have, and we've talked about this at length, and I think this is not just a, a societal issue. This has become like global. Um, and I think that anybody that wants to be financially fit and wants to make sound decisions with their money in our world, and they want to do this throughout their lifetime, become super disciplined with your budget. I mean, if I had to look at one thing that has consistently played out from when I had no money to when I had some money to when I had more money to where I want to go four decades from now, because now I'm sitting down with people that are 60 and 70 and they're teaching me how you build wealth across a lifetime. Mm -hmm. being disciplined with your budget is going to be the way to get there because there's so much pressures. Every time, you know, you see that thing out there that is really tempting you and you go, well, I've got the money in the bank. I can go buy it. But what did you decide you wanted to do with that money? Did you decide that you're saving this? Did you decide that you want to put that into a property? All 
these things that we're now aware of, everything you look at on social media or everything that comes to your email, like we're being um, targeted by marketing and advertisers. And sometimes you tell yourself, oh, who cares if I spend an extra thousand this month that I wasn't supposed to spend? That's fine. But I'll make up for it next month. But then that snowballs. Then it snowballs. So I never open that door. I'm so disciplined with my budget that I don't care if that means I have to look like, oh, wait, but you play the NFL and you're not going to buy this table right now. It's only this. Whatever. Think what you want about 20 bucks. 20 bucks. 20 bucks compounded over a year is a lot of money. I mean, whatever it might be like, oh, you can't afford this car right now. I'm humble enough to say, no. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, I've got the cash to go get it, but it's not in my budget. So if you want to try and, um, influence me through like your social pressure. If you can't afford it right now, that's fine. I don't, I don't mind at all. I think that you're always going to run into these situations in life where there's some, some moment that's influencing you to break down that budget. 100%. Some moment. And the people that consistently say, that's okay. I'll wait. I'll wait. Like I'll give up buying a Porsche Cayenne or a Rolls Royce today because I know that if I'm financially preparing myself and I'm sticking to my budget, you could have five of them, six of them in 10 years by coming up with solid financial plans. So be okay with having the stuff you want out there in front of you and not needing to have it now. It's instant gratification. And we are so taken with that right now as a society that it is the worst thing for our budgets. It is literally what breaks people's budget. And I love that you said, if you can just say, I'm good. It's not in my plan. It's not what I need to be doing. A lot of people don't have that sense of self, which next time when you come on, I really want you to talk about your purpose and your sense of self and how you identify with being able to say no, because that's a big struggle for so many people. Uh, I still struggle with that, right? There are some days where I'm like, oh, I really want that. And I'm like, wait a minute. It's not on the budget. You're not doing it. Yeah. So I love that your budget is your number one best practice. I appreciate you coming on and joining me today. And of course, we're going to have you back because hello, who wouldn't want to have Julius Thomas talking money on their podcast. So thank you, my friends. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's always a joy to get a chance to be around you, to talk money with you. And um, I'm going to come back because you know how much I care about people. And if I can be a voice that encourages people to be disciplined, that encourages people to delay that gratification. Um, it's all, all worth it because I want to see everybody get to the things they want, but we got to encourage them that sometimes that takes patience. Absolutely. So well said. Thank you so much. If you want to fast track your money training like the pros, grab my ultimate beginner budget course, which is my 12 week financial fitness program with all the weekly workout routines and coaching you need to get financially fit. Like Julia said, your budget is where it starts. So let's master your money game. All you have to do is go to Financially Fit Podcast and click on the 12-week training program. Train your money like a pro athlete trains for success with Coach Hill.